What was the the message? Do you do you remember one of the messages you used, Valentine? I, I was I was hunting for old ladies with their nephews waiting for the bus to come because they couldn't hide from me. And the message was, how how, how much do you love your family? And it, it, they were like, what? Because if you if you change the things that you are cooking for them, they will love you even more than. And I was testing out this type of messages, right? That's Valentin Riendu. He has had an entrepreneurial journey unlike any other. He founded one of the first internet service providers in Bucharest because he wanted to be able to play StarCraft with the broadband connection. He created Romania's largest online insurance company and currently he's the founder of OmniConvert. It's a solution that empowers retailers to acquire, segment, monetize, and nurture their customers on every channel. I think this was the funniest interview I had all season in terms of laughing out loud. If you enjoyed it, let me know. Feel free to send me a message on LinkedIn, tag me and tell others about it and subscribe if you haven't yet. I greatly appreciate it. Okay, let's dive in. First serious question for you, Valentin. How good of a StarCraft player were you? Well, I wasn't that good, you know, my, my, how, how was that thing like BPM or what, what was the, those things, numbers of actions per minute, APM, I think. My APM wasn't that high, but I was pretty, let's say, persistent, you know, I wasn't giving up very easily. So I was among the best in my neighborhood and that led to, to building this network and going on the battle net. Okay. All right. Now, were you competing in any tournaments in Bucharest or you just was the best in the neighborhood? Yeah, yeah. We were competing as well. We were on Battle.net. We were having this type of, I don't know, guilds or whatever. Okay. All right. Well, you launched an internet service provider because you wanted to play on broadband. I have no idea how you would even start an internet broadband company. So can you kind of just take us back through that, explain your thought process and how you launched it, how you got it off the ground? Yeah, of course. So imagine that we we were paying like crazy money to an internet cafe because the alternative of the internet was a dial-up connection which wasn't working. So first of all, we bought some computers and we've heard about the network cards and then we've got some wires and I've got it from my fifth uh, fifth floor to the to the first floor to my neighbor and then there and the the building was looking like like a net you know and then the administrator <laughs> of the building said that that couldn't be possible and we've said okay there's no problem but we have other neighbors which you want to connect with us anyways all in all we've managed to to build a network and we were like, it was like a jungle. Like imagine that we've stopped the tramway, you know, in, in, in one of the principal streets in Bucharest to, to, to throw like a rock, which had the, the, the wire, you know, it was a high speed, the internet cable with fiber optic, optical fiber over the, the, the wires that were connecting the, the, the tramway. Anyways, there were good times, like back in 1999 and 2000. Yeah. After that, we've, we've got this network to have something like 150 people. We were using Vipress chat and everything go was very slow. So I, I went to, to, to the other leaders across the street and we've decided that we need to get some internet. So we've, we've asked for a code at the, the largest internet broadband provider. And his, they said that we need to pay something, something like $100 a month for a high-speed subscription. 
and we need to pay it in advance for $600. So I got to my boss. I was having a job at that time. I was an optician, optometrist, <laughs> and uh, I've said that I need $300. And she said, for what? For having, for building a company. And she said, building a company. Okay. And when, when are you going to pay them back? So when I was scratching my head, I will... I, Eventually, I said that in half a year. Anyway, she was an amazing leader and an amazing lady. Doina Badiu, it's her name. And she gave me the money. We got the money. We, we, we built the location and we've rented the, a, a very small place where people were drying their clothes at the, at the first floor of the building in, in one, of the, one of the buildings. And we've rented that for people coming and paying for the subscription because there were no... <laughs> And basically, we, we got flooded by demand. I mean, it was like we, we've said it's 10 euro a month and the, competi the competition was a dial-up connection, which was 20, 20 euros a month. And they had 10 times less speed than we had. And it was unheard of. I mean, it was like a dream coming true. And people were queuing up in the streets to, to get connected. Anyways, it was, a, it was an amazing story. So, so my, my paycheck, Eric, was like $85 a month. And in something like six months, six months from that, we were making 5,000 euro subscriptions a month. And in two years from that, we were making 40,000. And basically, I, I got to my boss to say, I, I can't work anymore. My dream was coming true. And, and she said, I can't believe it. Have you really made it? Yeah, I can't. I mean, I, I, I couldn't work anymore. It was like I was completely swamped, you know, with two jobs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, this is back when, when what, you're like early 20s? Yeah, after this. I was 20 years old, yeah. Okay, so after this, you actually created one of what became one of the largest online car insurance players in Romania, and you got into like 250,000 customers. <laughs> How did that happen? I, I'm only laughing because of this story that you just told about the internet broadband company. I'm wondering if there's like a, a similar story here or not. I don't know. There, were, there, there is, I have a friend on, in a different neighborhood that he has something like, like this, but not, at, not with the same, well, let's say, details, you know? But yeah, there were many network, very small networks that, that emerged like, like this. So yeah, after that company, I got, uh, we were young and full and my partners weren't, let's say, so open to, to development. You know, I was, I was having these visions about conquering Bucharest and then the, the entire country and then maybe we can, whatever. So they weren't sharing the same. They were, they were, their business model was like making the cow. And I was about going into new territories, you know, like in Star Trek, space, the <laughs> yeah. final frontiers. <laughs> so we were fighting over these matters. And eventually I, I made the exit from that company and I took all my money to build an agency, an online agency. We were, I, I've said people will need the, uh, websites and I, I fought because that's the, 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 that's the winner's bias or advantage or let's say trap, you know? That uh -huh. I thought that it's going to be the same, where it's not something present where, I, and I think it's going to be present in the, everyone will have websites. Any company is going to have websites, like anyone needs, needs internet connection. However, the, the uh, building a company that offered the website development wasn't a good idea back in 2005, because the demand wasn't 
there. So we were ahead of the the the, the demand which happened around 2009, 2010 mm -hmm. here. So I I was struggling to persuade companies to build their website because they couldn't understand it. And yeah, I was almost going bankrupt. Yeah. And at some point I met uh, I met an entrepreneur which was selling car insurance and he had this we were at at the let's say advertising production company you know where you are putting all these stickers on your bump on, on your car and you are putting those advertisements on your car and he had this let's say funny and stupid idea to put like a dwarf on his car saying your insurance is my mission or something like that it was very but it sounded like 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 a rhyme you know yeah, it was catchy. It's memorable. Yeah, and I asked the guy, "How come you are selling insurance, but you are using dwarfs like like you're like this is like Snow White or something like that with the seven dwarfs? It's not uh -huh. there, you know. I mean, you can't sell insurance. It's about trust or whatever. And this guy, I, I thought that we we're going to argue, but I had no problem with with that because I had some one hour to wait there for for some stuff for my clients. I was doing a rebranding for a for a somehow big company in the investments you know they were selling this type of investment brokerage company and we've made the, the entire rebranding for that and i was waiting there so the guy instead of being offended he started to ask me things about and he was so innocent you know he he was so open to to find out things about because he said you know i have this company selling insurance and I have this small one bedroom apartment at, at the first floor at the, at the building and I'm trying to sell insurance online as well. And I got, got on his website, he had like a very old Kachia, if you know that for Romanian old yeah. school brand, it was in flash and it was spinning like that and uh -huh. he had the list with all the prices. So we eventually started to work together. I've, I've looked over the internet, I've seen that the online car insurance, it's going to be a trend. And it's going to, to, to boom in Romania as well. So we've, we've been the first mover. Initially, I worked with him as a, on commission based, but he couldn't afford it anymore because I, I was getting something like 10% of all the revenue that he generated. It seemed like mm -hmm. a great idea at the end, at the beginning. But when you scale up a company, you have a lot of costs that you can't forecast initially. So it wasn't a good deal anymore. So we ended up being partners and building the company together. So. That's how it went with the online car insurance company. And being, okay. let's say, bored, to be honest, about, I don't know, I was buying media, I was running campaigns. It was, it was too boring and the company was stable enough. And I've said, what's the next big game that I want to play in my life? And I've said, yeah, let's go international. Let's build a company that could go international and scale international and demonstrate that I'm, a, that I'm an entrepreneur in the big, in the battle net, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good segue because with OmniConvert, you've got a lot of big brands with OmniConvert. I was looking at your website. Oceans is one of the largest retailers in the world. Culture Kings, one of the leading streetwear retailers on the planet. So when these when these clients when you start working with these clients, you know what is one of the first things they get excited about when they start using your platform and working with OmniConvert. Yeah, the one of the first things is, is that it blends the qualitative data with the quantitative data. So we are a solution that's very diverse thanks to that. There are, and those, usually those solutions are, are siloed because the customer journeys are siloed. 
And what's happening is that you have the data teams looking at all these whatever kind of financial reports, sales reports, whatever. And then you have the customer service teams, which are looking at things like how the customers are being treated, what's their satisfaction levels, but usually those things are disconnected. What we are doing is that we blend them together so that we show also how they feel, but also how much they've spent, how, what they are buying, when they are buying, their behavior patterns, and so on. So that's one of the first things that sets us apart. Okay, and when I visit omniconvert.com, I see a welcome message that says, hey there, we want you to get the most out of this visit. Let us know more about your challenges. What's the best description of your company? And then you guys give some options there. How did you decide that you wanted to provide this journey instead of just letting visitors navigate on their own? It was thanks to the, the, the fact that we, we initially ran, ran a survey to understand who, are, who is our audience and what they are after. And then we've decided to craft this type of paths for them because it's much more easier to, to qualify them. This is basically zero-party data and understanding that the time is of the essence. So people don't have time anymore to, to, to let's say, skim through your content and find what they are looking for. And for us, it's working better in terms of generating more conversions. It's what basically eating our own dog food. Yeah. No, I love that you said that time is of the essence because the best message is the one that's at the intersection, the customer's needs and what it is you're offering and no better way to get there for them to just answer you know, a simple question like that, like, what is your pain point? You know, what are you interested in? And you don't really see too many two B2B companies doing that kind of customer journey. So when I went to your website and saw that, I was surprised, but also delighted that you guys had that. Okay. Now, when you say, when we say customer lifetime value, Valentin, what does that specifically mean to you? Customer lifetime value. Yeah. So to, to give you the back backstory of how I've got obsessed about customer lifetime value at the insurance company, we were struggling and we couldn't make the cut anymore. Some friends of mine, which were working in the multinational companies were mocking me because they, they could, they had more money than I did, even though we were making something like three, four millions at that time in annual turnover, but we weren't profitable or the cash flow was, was not always nice to us. So we, I've decided to look over the data and to look who are our best customers, what, what could I do so that we break even because we were spending something like 1 million in annual, our budget, our annual budget was around $1 million in ads. And basically we were barely breaking even. So. I looked at the data and I realized that, you know what, we have some very valuable customers that not only that they buy, they have large AOVs, but they also come back to buy again because they have this customer retention. And then I've started to look at this concept uh, called customer lifetime value. So I looked over the Harvard Business Review, I've started to calculate it and I've started to look at some anomalies, like in our data, the truck drivers were the best customers ever. I mean, their AOV was 10 times uh, higher and their CLV was something like 60 times larger than the average customer. And for us, it was like, that was amazing. So if the, imagine if the lifetime value is 60 times larger, that means your profit that you're gonna get. So the margin that you're gonna get from that customer is 60 times larger than the other ones. And also there were the luxury car owners and there were these anomalies like only 20% of the customers were generating 60% of our margin. It wasn't 
Pareto because I don't believe in Pareto. It's an oversimplification, but basically you need to look at your own data and to find which are the few customers that generate large impact in your business. So lifetime value, customer lifetime value, it's a predictive measure that's giving you the cumulative margin down the line throughout the entire lifespan. So basically it's, it's, it's like a predictive measure of how much you're going to get from a customer according to the data that you've accumulated from your current customers. Once you dived into this data and you discovered that some of your best customers, for example, were truck drivers, their average order value was considerably higher. What did you do? What did you then do with that? Did you have any tools or applications at your disposable disposal to take advantage of that, Valentin? No, but we've built one. So basically, Omniconvert is the result of my struggle that I couldn't do this type of real-time personalization because you are being asked, right, what's your... Uh, what you are trying to ensure, what's your car? And then if it was a truck, we couldn't do anything. And that required a lot of extra work to do this, if this, then that. And the programmers, the developers were hating me at that moment because I, I kept on asking them things. And at some point I realized, you know what, let's build something that allows us to do this. On the market, it was a solution called Adobe Test and Target, but it was incredibly expensive. So I couldn't even think of buying that solution. So I've built one for us and it allowed us to change in real time the, the content of the website and the price according to who's asking for a code on our website. And that led to a lot of experiments like, I don't know, we've changed the website according to the car maker. We've added an interstitial overlay that allowed us to calculate on the back and load up the price, the best price so that we can A-B test what is the best discount that we could give. So we've changed a lot of things on our website thanks to, to, to this technology. And of course, if you were a truck driver, you could get a better, a better deal than our competition offered you. And the competitors, not at this moment, they, they, they don't know why we've wiped the market at that moment because we were extremely aggressive in terms of the, the discounts that we were, they were, we were giving. And we were calculating between 2% and 18% discount, while they were giving to everyone 15%. And that meant they were losing money from a lot of customers and they, uh, that, that they couldn't lose, you know? So yeah. basically we've made this personalization of the discount that we're giving according to the price of the goods that we were so selling you. And many, many other things, like we've changed the, 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 changed the website based on the city that you, you were living in and we were coming up with, I don't know, the 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 city center picture to make it look like we're a company from i don't know timishwara or cluj but we were from bucharest so we've made all these experiments and eventually in one year we've increased the conversion rate by 60 percent that was in 2012. wow wow when a new client comes comes on board what does the roadmap look like in terms of onboarding them you know obviously you're not going to tell them okay you need to do you know 100 things at once but let's focus on these maybe two or three key things and what what what's like a good example of what that would look like maybe in the first 6 to 12 months of onboarding a new client yeah so what i must add here eric is that we we have two technologies right we have two solutions one is an ab testing and personalization solution which is changing the website in real time and whatever and another one is a customer intelligence platform, which is allowing the retailers and omnichannel companies to 
understand their customer customers better. So basically, it's allowing them to segment their customers, to monitor the NPS, to find who's buying what, and then to to push this kind of data to different channels, to ads, to email marketing solutions, and whatever. So the first thing that we are usually doing is we are understanding their data with one of our onboarding specialists, and we allow them to do customer segmentation. So we are looking at this Pareto principle, who are your best customers according to RFM, and RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value. So the, it's, a, it's a way to segment the customers, not only based on their value, but also based on their recency score, which is the most important. So mm-hmm. basically the chances to buy again are way higher if your recency is higher than if your monetary is higher. Because because of the, how the mind works, right? We forget things. So if it's not fresh in our minds, we are not repeating the behavior. And that's why, I don't know, people go to gym and they do it for three, six months and then they don't do it. And as they are lapsing, they, 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 it's very hard to get back on track and to, to get that habit. And it's the same with the buying habit, right? That's why yeah. you need RFM because... You don't need only the monetary, but you also need the frequency, how many orders they placed, and the recency. How many days have passed since the last purchase? Okay. Okay. This is all very exciting, Valentin. What what are you excited about in the next 12 months in terms of OmniConvert? So we we are excited because we are starting this, this movement, this shift of focus from acquiring customers that never come back to customer value optimization, meaning with the customer value optimization, you understand who are your best customers and you influence the acquisition. So we, you acquire, I don't know, based on the customer research, you can identify like the, the, the hidden gems, which are some products that if they are being bought, the lifetime value can be two, three, four, five times higher than the average. And that means your acquisition should focus on these SKUs, not on all the others. So I'm excited about launching my book around customer value optimization. I'm excited that we have more students being onboarded in the CVO Academy. So basically we, we, we are sharing this methodology that it's already proven to other country uh, companies and uh, we have agency partners and that's the most exciting thing that we are not alone anymore. You know, I, I've dried my mouth talking about this type of principles for years now. So we started in 2017 and now it's 2023. And we already have 11 agencies worldwide which are advocating, they are providing this type of services. One of the agencies that we've started to work with, they, they, they've basically added the half a million dollars in new revenue thanks to this new approach, which is generating undeniable value to their e-commerce companies. And for us, the opportunity is that there is a bloodbath out there. So it's way more expensive to acquire customers than it was ever in e-commerce. More players, same eyeballs. So to, to, you need to pick your battles. And with this methodology, we, we empower e-commerce companies to be truly data-driven and customer-centric. So basically, those are the most exciting things for me. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, now for the last part of the, this conversation, we have some rapid fire questions. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Just tell me the first thing on the top of your head. What is an unusual thing that you've done to make money aside from launching the internet broadband company? I've sold the cookbooks on the street. So I've, I've, I've stopped people and that's how I've understood the principles of conversion rate. It's about the location, the target and the message, right? So basically you need to frame the cookbook 
way more different. And I was like, I think it was, I was 17 years old and I got to the seaside thanks to that. What was the, the message? Do you, do you remember one of the messages you used, Valentin? I was, I was hunting for old ladies with their nephews waiting for the bus to come because they couldn't hide from me. And the message was, <laughs> how, how, how much do you love your family? And it, it, they were like, what? Because if you, <laughs> if you change the things that you are cooking for them, they will love you even more than that. And I was testing out this type of messages, right? Okay. Okay. What is a tactic that you do to try and make sure you're hiring a good employee that's going to be good for the culture and the company and for the business? Oh, so I thank God that my wife, she's a psychologist and she, 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 she helped us with the, with the methodology to scan the candidates, basically where we are using this type of profiling and I'm, I'm always listening more than I'm talking. So usually. And I can't disclose that because maybe there will be future, <laughs> future candidates here. But basically I'm looking at, at the attitude and I'm looking at how smart and in-depth are the questions that, that they are asking. And for us, it's a, it's a very important thing to have the right people on the right seat. So not the best, but the right one. There is a huge difference between, between that. And I'm also interviewing everyone which gets into the, the, the company. So we have the hiring manager. If he says yes, they, they get to me and I'm, I'm validating them. Usually I'm not eliminating anyone, but I had, I had some of them that got, uh, I had to refuse. Okay. Okay. What is the most interesting thing that you've done in the last 26 days outside of coming onto my podcast? In the last 26 days, I've been to the Maldives. So I've celebrated 15 years of anniversary with my wife. And I've finished the book thanks to that because I've carved out some time and it's an amazing spot to, to, to stay in the nature. All right. Well, congratulations on the anniversary. Valentin, where can people learn more about you? That's on LinkedIn or because I'm very active over there or on YouTube, on our channel, on Omniconvert, or you can simply go to CVO Academy to see what we're after. All right. All right. All right, everybody. Think about how inspired you feel right now for Valentin's story. Imagine you had missed out on this, this StarCraft internet cable business launch story here. So if you haven't already, give that subscribe button a push. That way you're notified every time there is a new episode, but more importantly, that you don't miss out on the stories like you just heard right now from Valentin. All right, this is Eric. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Valentin. Thanks, Eric, and thanks everyone.